I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic. And we're doing a three-person podcast. This is both Wizards After Dark and Locked On Sixers. We're doing a crossover episode. I'm here with the host of Locked On Sixers and uh, from the Philadelphia Inquirer, Keith Pompey. Hey, how y'all doing? What's up, fellas? And also in Philly with former guest, now second-time guest, Michael Lee of uh, The Athletic. You know, my first experience with After Dark was pretty good. Um, I don't think this was going to last long, though. <laughs> that was a long episode. That was a long one. We had a lot to rant about. Uh, how long was it? It was like 40 minutes. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I think we've determined that the Wizards stink. Uh, Scott Brooks has sort of accepted his position, his lot with this team, that they stink. I think the Sixers broke the Wizards tonight. Like, I think they broke them. Like... Don't get me wrong, they were uh, they were getting like there was you know they were they were they were they were, they were the straw that broke the camel's back. There we go. That's what we're getting at. You know what it looked like to me? It looked like you know how you have a kid and in the morning your kid's in a bad mood, like they woke up on the wrong side of the bed, didn't want to you know didn't want to do anything, and then they go to school and get in a fight in the schoolyard, and the next thing it was over with. Like that mentality, the wizards didn't look like they came to play. I mean, from the from the beginning, like there was lack of communication. Guys were arguing with the refs, and I understand you said Sixers broke their back, but it just seemed like soon when the Sixers pushed a little bit, they gave up. You know what I mean? And that's what it looked like to me. It looks like a team in disarray, a team with a lot of problems, and a lot of guys who don't want to be there. That's what it looked like. It's been obvious to anybody who's watched them play this year, but the one thing that stood out to me is that, you know, the Sixers processed their way into Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, right? And then they traded for Jimmy Butler to get their kind of big three. But you could just see that Embiid and Simmons are like potentially generational talents. Mm -hmm. They're guys that could elevate this franchise to greatness. The Wizards don't have anything that compares. They have good players. They have talented players. They have all-star caliber players. But, like, Joel Embiid is in the MVP conversation. Mm -hmm. Like, he could legitimately win that thing this year. Yeah. Ben Simmons, if he didn't have Joel Embiid, could, he proved it last year, the end of last year, that he could run a team and carry it. They yeah. won 16 in a row with eight the last eight without, you know, um, Embiid around. So they have, like, potentially generational talents. The Wizards have good talent but the problem is they don't like playing with each other and anybody that watches it picks it up i mean scouts executives everybody can see it casual fans man yeah like you're right you don't even need to be be there yeah Yeah, you could just be watching on tv so by the way the sixers won this game 123 to 98 they were wasn't that close they were up 35 in the third quarter Legit garbage time in this game started in the third quarter. No, None of the 10 starters, so none of the five starters on either team played more than 25 minutes. It's good they when all, you got a back-to-back coming the top, up, I guess. The, the eternal optimist. <laughs> Wizards have a back-to-back, and they'll be fine for Brooklyn. Brooklyn's in overtime right now. Overtime loss, so that'll be good. They can set it up. But um, but I, I think the one thing that was interesting from the night's game was, you know, Scott Brooks has spent so much time calling out his team for not for not not because they don't have leadership because they don't have they don't play with effort right effort's always been a big issue for this team and anybody that's watched them knows that when they play inspired ball they can 
compete and win. You saw it. They won three or four before these last two stinkers against New Orleans and the, and the Sixers. But today, it's almost like he just said, we don't have enough. I mean, now obviously Otto was out. But it's not like Otto was going <laughs> to change the outcome of tonight's game. He kept saying over and over again that the Sixers are better. And I think you saw it in Toronto last week. You saw it tonight. Um, the Wizards came into the season thinking that they had a shot. Now, obviously, Dwight's out too, but Wizards came in thinking that they were among those teams. They were in that same class as Philly and Toronto and Boston and whoever else you want to put in that mix. They are so far away from them. And, I mean, you got to give credit to the Sixers. Like, they've they've really put together a team, that, and they're, they're, they're focused on trying to win. They, they took care of business. They took care of business tonight and against the Knicks. And I think that's kind of a sign of their growth, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, it is. The, the Sixers are a funny team because you look at them tonight and you see how how they've grown and, and you see how how much better they are than the Wizards. But then you look at it and you see, like, they have a couple blunders yeah. and, and they lose a game here and there. And you're saying to yourself, like, man, if only you would have beat the Cleveland Cavaliers, you would be the second-best team in the Eastern Conference. You know, it's like whenever they, they're supposed to take the step forward, they bring you back to realize, like, oh, this is still a young team. You know yeah. what I mean? But, um, you know, they, they are – they are uh, molding well. Um, I think the fact that they have Jimmy Butler, you know, helps out a lot. You know, I know a lot of people are waiting for him to, like, explode and be the Jimmy Butler that we heard of in Chicago and Minneapolis. But right now, it just seems as if that he loves where he is. And here's another reason I think he loves it. Because in the last spot, he was the third fiddle, so to speak, right? In Minnesota. In Minnesota. So right now, we all know, who everyone who sees the game, the coaches, the players, they all know that the Sixers are better off when Jimmy Butler is closing out a game. They know that. And he he's does the best finisher he's the in be- the league right now. Yeah, the best finisher in the league. And the thing is, so he doesn't have to, hey, give me the ball. So he'll go around and – and he, he'll play at, like, half speed on certain games or he's just, like, being extremely passive. But then everyone, he doesn't have to say, give me the ball, coach. Everyone's saying, yo, Jimmy, please take the ball. Yeah. Please take the ball. Please take the ball. So right there for him, that's a perfect situation because he doesn't have to come out and seem like I'm the selfish teammate or it's all about me. Everyone in Philadelphia wants him to take the ball. That's right because I – talk to you know people with the Sixers and they love what Jimmy's given them so far but they feel like he's being a little too deferential yeah, like he yeah. he like he knows that Joel is putting up big MVP numbers he knows that Benny's a ball in his hands so he's not trying to step on toes which is sort of interesting because yeah. he stepped on every toe head ear but remember at the beginning of Minnesota like literally the first two weeks he wasn't shooting. Remember, that was the narrative. Yeah. Jimmy right. Butler wasn't shooting. At the That's beginning. right. And so it was the same thing. Control. And then yeah. all of a sudden, in like maybe it was the end of November, he like went off and he had this yeah, ridiculous cool. December yeah. and January. Yeah. So it was a similar type of adaptation when he was in Minnesota compared to where he is now, where it seems like he's trying to ease his way into the offense, you know? Yeah. And I think he probably will have some takeover moment here, too. 
But I think the difference is, one, he's in a contract year, so he's got to be on his best behavior because he already has that track record from Chicago and now Minnesota of sort of disrupting the team and, you know, making it difficult for guys to really, his teammates to thrive. I think he doesn't want to have that to be the story that's attached to him. He sort of wants to, um, you know, he wants to be seen as a winner, but he also wants to be seen as a good teammate. And I think you mentioned he bought everybody Jordans. Yeah, he bought them all Jordans, yeah. It was like 67 of them. Like what he did is like the people affiliated with the team and, and stuff. And it's funny, but it was only for like the basketball ops people. So I was hearing there were people on the business side talking about, where are sneakers at? Where are Jordans at? You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I mean, but the thing is, when you look at Jimmy Butler, you know, the things that probably did not make him uh, well-liked in Minnesota are the exact things that make him liked in Philadelphia. And what I mean by that is, you know, he's a, a gritty guy. He's not exactly, you know, he's an underdog. And, like, you know, you you know, you're from... You know, you're from New York, you live in D.C., you lived in D.C., now you live in Philly, you've been places. You know, Philadelphia is so close to New York, and it's so close to D.C., so people here, and I'm a Philadelphian, sometimes we feel like we're the overlooked city because you're smack dab in the middle, you know? Um, So you, and and we pride ourselves as being the blue-collar city, and you get a guy like Jimmy Butler who, you know, wasn't that a lottery pick, you know, who was a guy who didn't play a lot his rookie year, and next thing you know, you get him here, and he's like be telling everybody, I'm going to outwork you. And people love that. And even though he may be brash and stuff like that, people here love that because they think like he's keeping it real. I mean, think of Allen Iverson. You know, Allen Iverson is a legend in this city, and he got in some trouble. But he's a legend in this city because – a, they felt like he kept it real, and B, he was diving on the floor for loose balls and everything like that, and they thought he was like a blue-collar type of player. So, you know, Jimmy, he could become a legend here. I mean, he really can become one of the the most favorite 76ers if he, you know, if he signs a match at Max and is here through five years. So another dude who tends to keep it real. Uh, Embiid had, like, Definitely the best 16-point performance I've seen all year. <laughs> he he was a plus 30 in 22 minutes. He had 16 points and 15 rebounds. And it's actually – I mean, 15 rebounds in 22 minutes is absurd. We but had nine in the first quarter. But I, I feel like he should have had more. Like, <laughs> he's going up against Thomas Bryant and, like, Markeith Morris, who's not yeah, a rebounder. Man. And Markeith Morris, admittedly tonight, was like – uh, he, he used some, some curse words to describe his own performance tonight uh, to say that he did not play at his best level. Uh, and, and Embiid just, man, he is unbelievable. And he just, when he was on the floor, they were throwing everybody at him. They couldn't guard anybody else because they had to throw guys at him. Yeah. When he was posting guys up, they were trying to double him, but it wasn't working. I mean, he just did whatever he wanted out there. He was amazing. And, like, when they go up against big men now, they, they're just going to get killed on this for the rest of the year if this is their roster, the Wizards. The Wizards because they can't rebound. with Dwight out, and the news today, obviously, that Dwight is now going to be reevaluated in two to three months after having Dwight back surgery Dwight today. Have 
Nah, he used to get dogged when he does yeah, it. But you know what? Embiid yeah. had had like this little sweep through move that he used to pull on Dwight. And I, I wrote it in a story earlier this year. Uh, I remember last year when Dwight was with the Hornets. He got Dwight on this like little James Harden kind of sweep through where he like you reach out and then you just lift your hand and like flail and you get the foul. He did it three times, right? And like uh, so after the game, um, I went up to Dwight and I was like, "Hey, Dwight, man." Um, oh, actually, uh, he the third time he did it, uh, Dwight was complaining to the ref like, you know, whatever. And uh, and then B leaned in and said something, and Dwight just started laughing. So like after the game, I said, "Hey man, what what did Joel say to you that made you laugh?" He said, "He said blame James Harden." <laughs> so so I, uh, so then I guess when they went to Charlotte after that, they played in Charlotte after that. The first play of the game, he did the same uh, same move to draw another foul, like right right early in the game. And I asked Joel about that this year, and he's like, "Yeah." I did the first time. I'm like, what are you, stupid? <laughs> <laughs> so he probably would have gotten Dwight in some foul trouble right away. He might have. But you know what? Man, he, I don't think he would have 15 rebounds in 22 minutes. Because the rebound know. is. I don't know. <laughs> like, dude, you need, to, you, need, you need to double check. Because no. he's been dogging Dwight the last <laughs> he? He's been yeah, embarrassing he him, fouling him out. Yeah. Like, he, and, and, like, waving at him goodbye and all that. Yeah, Dwight, it's Dwight, been, I don't know if Dwight would have made a difference yeah. tonight. Uh, yeah. that, I don't think he would have able to slow down Joe. Joe Joe's been giving everybody the business. Yeah. Like, yes, he has. Look, he's he's great. Like, he's he's top, at worst, top three for MVP right now. At worst, yeah. At Blake worst, Giannis, he's him and who else? LeBron. I don't know. Who's... Yeah, maybe LeBron. Uh, I don't know. Who would it be? I mean, you could say Kawhi? like Kawhi. Yeah, Kawhi. Giannis and Embiid. That's it. The KD's having a really good year, but the Warriors yeah, are falling off. They're, they're yeah. not. Yeah, that means Steph has probably been the engine for that. I mean, Kemba has some. Big games, but I don't see him. Their, winning. their record is yeah, yeah. can't win it. Nah. You know, and beat and beat is in that. Embiid's beat top two. It's him and Giannis, right? Yeah. He's awesome. We all agree. The Wizards are the worst, like literally the worst <laughs> rebounding team in seven years. What? What? The Sixers had without 30, Dwight had thirty-eight rebounds in the first half, compared to fifteen. Yes, they had thirty-eight rebounds in the first half. Which I think was the most that they've had in a in the first half in like over twenty years. It's absurd. Like the Wizards are so bad. I mean, what was the number you gave about their percentage of defensive rebounds? So without with without Dwight on the floor, they get sixty six percent of available defensive rebounds. No <laughs> team has had a sixty six percent defensive rebound rate since the twenty twelve Warriors. And that was when teams were like not prioritizing transition defense. With offensive rebounding, like teams don't crash the glass like they did six years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't do that. Uh, and those Warriors teams were epically horrendous. Like they were bottom of the league in uh, in defensive rebounding every single year. If you go with like one of those non Warriors teams, you have to go back to like 2007 or something like that to find a defensive rebounding team as bad as this year's Wizards without and, Dwight. You know that was uh, that was the end of uh, that was 2012 was the last year that the. Uh, Warriors stopped being a playoff team. Yeah. So may- maybe maybe it's a good thing the Wizards are terrible. Re- maybe. <laughs> it didn't, yeah. And after this year, they'll start yeah. a new thing in four years. I'll hire Steve Kerr. I know, I guess it would be Mark Jackson in this case. Somebody, whoever. But I'll hire fine. Mark Jackson, they'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, th- but this is kind of what I mean when I say, like, they broke them. Like, you mentioned 
with that, like you mentioned Scott Brooks after the game. Like Scott normally is talking about, okay, oh, I'm looking for energy. I'm looking for this. Tonight he was just like, yeah, they're way they better. They got some good players. So. Yeah, they're better. They got three. He said they have three They they, they have three top ten players, he said. He said like, three top ten? Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're good, but I don't know if they have three top I'll ten yet. He said, nah. I think he said, I think he said maybe top ten. Nah. That's they have three they maybe top, top ten. ten. For sure. Yeah. Simmons is not top ten. Simmons not top ten, but he's he's Jimmy's not, but he's on the fringe. This was probably one of the better games I've seen yeah. him playing, uh, Ben playing, like just in terms of just being pushing the tempo, getting up down, and like really turning it up. Um, and I, I think that's a good, that's encouraging sign for the Sixers because you know I think there was some concern about how he and Jimmy would yeah. mix, you know, and like because Jimmy needs the ball in his hands. And in uh, in Ben, if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, doesn't really serve a purpose. Would you agree? Yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you know, Ben could get lost. I mean, right now because Ben has to develop that jumper. And like like in fourth quarters, recently, when Jimmy, when everything runs through Jimmy, either you have Ben on the block playing power forward, or you have him off to the side. And when he's off to the side. Unfortunately for the Sixers, they're playing four on five basketball because he's not going to. He can't. He's not going to give you anything out in the perimeter. So, but when you say that and you look at that and you talk about how good he's played the last two games, you know when you look at the three of them, if Ben Simmons works hard and develops a at least a mid range jumper, you know Ben Simmons is going to be better than the both of them. If he gets that shot, if he works on it, I mean, it's just up to him. I mean, you know, but, um, you know, that, but he's getting better. That's it. Yeah. He has to work on it. He has to work on it. I mean, if he can develop a jumper, I mean, I saw saw a stat today. You know, the last time Ben Simmons made a three pointer in a game was what high school at LSU. Oh, he made one in LSU. I think it was three years ago today. Oh, wow. Oof. But you know the funny thing about Ben. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, but the funny thing about Ben, like, I mean, if you come that was here, a college three, so a college was, three. But like, if you come here, be early. Well, well, typically on the road, because there's less people, like you know, fans worrying about him. But you go there and you do pregame. He's making three pointers. He's it's taking just, them. Yeah, he's taking them, and you're like, whoa, whoa. But then it's like once the game starts, it's kind of like. Mm-mm. Nah, bro, that's not my game. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, you gonna try to make it? Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Nah, you can't do that. Uh, uh-uh, uh, uh. Uh-uh. But before that, he's like shooting them. So that's the thing that kind of you're saying to yourself, like, come on, Ben. You know, you're better than that. But he just has to build it up. He has to get it within himself. Now, I think the thing is, you know, he has to fall flat on his face, like. And it has to happen, not just one game, not two games. I'm talking about he has to have, like, a stretch of, like, eight games where he struggles for him then to finally say, you know what, I need to do this. Yeah, I was surprised that it didn't happen after the playoffs. That's what I'm saying. Because, you know, you saw Boston just – Yeah. I mean, he, he destroyed Miami. Just they, just they just had nothing for him. But Boston was like, okay, beat us with your jumper. We're going to challenge you to beat us with your jumper. Yeah. They had that one game with one point. Yeah. Like I, I thought that would have been all the incentive he needed to come back, like just ready to just, okay, I'm going to work on my shot, and I'm going to take it to that next level. 
and he hasn't really done that. He's still special. He's still got like incredible speed. Like he still has great floor vision um, at that size. He's a really tenacious defensive player. So I mean, he's he's a second year guy. So some things will come in time. But I was surprised coming off that playoff series that he didn't come into the season like ready to just say okay. I'm not gonna let that happen again. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I was shot too. Hey, I'm doing radio interviews saying, "Oh yeah, man, he's worked on his shot." Yeah, come on, man. After that one, come on, he has to work on his shot. Only a fool wouldn't work on his shot. And now I'm like, well, maybe you know, maybe like some of the smartest ones don't work on their shot. But yeah, it was crazy, man. I'm I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I'm actually shocked that he didn't. Yeah. Uh, I want to do one minute of John Wall referee talk okay. with me and Mike since we were there. John Wall uh, said he doesn't. Uh, what was the exact quote? He said he had no respect. I have no respect for them. I have no respect for them for the referees after they were down thirty-five when he at one point. Yeah, I have no respect for them. And he got a tech tonight. He's gotten five texts this year. He's second in the NBA in techs. Yeah, I mean he's frustrated this year, and I think that the refs are sort of an easy target to sort of, you know, voice your frustration. Like if you're, not, if you're, if your play isn't up to standard, if the play of your teammates isn't up to standard, then it's easy to look at the ref because they're right there. And that's somebody you can just, you know, go off. And I think that's sort of what John is. He's just not, the team isn't where anyone thought it would be. I don't think, I don't know if anyone thought they would be truly an elite team I don't think anyone thought they'd be a bottom team. Like I don't think they thought they'd just be a bad team, and um, that's that's got to be frustrating. So, I mean, that's a lot of text to pick up because that's not helping anything. You know, you know. Um, I know he said that he just got a check for clapping his hands today, but you know, you're a target now. You know, the refs know going in. John's probably going to gripe about officiating. And I was surprised that he got away with that bump on TJ McConnell. Yeah. Like I was like, wow, they called the, the foul. They called the foul. <laughs> they called the foul on TJ McConnell. Like, okay, you know, that should have been like, okay, cool, I can get away with this. All right, I guess I don't need to complain about the officiating. But um, that's that. That to me, when you're yelling at the refs, that's sort of a lack of focus because. That energy, that anger. That noise is unreal. <laughs> I don't know what is going on in this arena, but that is an insane sound. Yeah, but I think we're safe. Um, <laughs> but I, I think if, if they could, if the Wizards could, you know, channel their anger, frustration on actually playing good basketball, that you might see a different result. But I think they're, that they're so, like, in space, like, just kind of, it's really flighty right now. They don't have any kind of direction. They don't have any kind of leadership. Everything's just off kilter, and you just see a bunch of frustrated guys. So I'm surprised there aren't more techs, to be honest, because they clearly aren't channeling their energy into healthy things that are going to help turn this thing around. Well, if there's one thing that I think it's going to turn around their season, it's John Wall tweeting at me after games. Yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the beat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, At he knows who you are now. Yeah. Or if he didn't already. <laughs> if he didn't. If he didn't, I'm pretty sure. He called sure you bruh, so there you go. Call me bra. Yeah. I was I was disappointed. I wanted... I, I, How did I, he spell it? B, that, yeah, he spelled it B-R-A. Oh. I, uh, I, I, I would have taken it for more of a B-R-U-H guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? 
That was that was really my number one reaction to that tweet. Maybe he said it with a North Carolina twang. Yeah. Bra. Yeah. <laughs> Bra. Yeah. He should he should have put like two A's on there though. Yeah. Otherwise, I read like Brazier. Yes. Yes. Maybe he, maybe maybe he called you a Brazier. Maybe, maybe he let you know what he really thinks. About you. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, all right, you can follow Michael. We are we good? Are we done? Mm-hmm. All right, you can follow Michael on Twitter, Mr. Michael Lee. What's your handle again? Uh, Pompey on Sixers. That's my handle on Twitter. All right, and you can follow me at Fred Katz and subscribe to Locked On Sixers. Subscribe to the Athletic. Uh, subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Give the podcast five stars. Give the podcast thanks reviews. We work hard so that you guys can get your stuff in the morning or the afternoon or whenever you listen. Uh, Wizards After Dark will be back after the Nets game Saturday. Sixers After Dark back or Sixers locked on locked Sixers. on Sixers, on not Monday. Sixers After Dark. Don't worry about it. Monday. Yeah, I don't stay out too late after dark, bro. (laughs) (laughs) That's bro with a U. That's bro with a U. Uh, See y'all on Monday. All right, and I'll see you guys tomorrow night.